Back in the room. Great. Really good. Well, it's it's a holiday. Holiday time. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's feeling quite festive. I'm on holiday. Uh, great. So today, um, I'm going to do a slightly different version of it because known well to us and a good friend for, for years, but actually I really don't know much about this fellow, actually. So I've had beers with him, talk about this, and you hear lots of stories as we talk in Dubai, but... Um, Without giving away any names or anything, um, I'll tell you what I do know and what you can say is yes or no. So, um, this guy is half Irish, half English? Yes. Um, spent some time in the West Country? Or? Yes. Uh, does a lot of physical work in terms of triathlons, is very keen and fit? Yes. Uh, and no. <laughs> um, has had a business, uh, sold it, bought it back, has been in the region for 24, 25 years? Yes. Ish. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll probably unravel a lot more of that because <laughs> I really don't know much. Welcome to Captain's Table, Billy Harkin. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, pleasure to be here. Great podcast. Big fan. Welcome, Billy. Thank you. So normally what we do... <laughs> <laughs> right, intro, intro, intro's over. Okay, intro's so over. Let's just, let's just crack into yeah. it. Um, okay. Um, starting off in Dubai, or a bit of background about, you know, where you come from, uh, and you can really give us a bit of detail. And yeah. In your own time, Billy. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's let's uh, straighten out the English-Irish thing, uh, or as we call it, <laughs> plastic paddy. Uh, <laughs> So I was born in England. Uh, Birmingham is, is, is that West Country? No, you know? no, no I wouldn't say it was West Country. Right, okay. So the Midlands, uh, I was born in Birmingham uh, to Irish parents. Uh, my dad was a contractor there. Uh, uh, three sisters, dad and mom moved us back to Ireland when I was, when it was 1979. So I was about eight years old. Uh, Aston Villa football kit, Birmingham accent, sounded like a Peaky Blinder. Uh, and uh, moved us up to Donegal, which is right on the northwest coast of Ireland, the only county in Northern Ireland that doesn't belong to Northern Ireland. That's uh, right. Yeah. And very uh, beautiful too. Weather's great. <laughs> so my dad used to say, the next stop is Iceland. So um, grew up there, uh, went to uh, a staunchly Catholic area, uh, went to uh, a Catholic school, and, and then on subsequently to secondary school, which was a convent, Taught mm -hmm. by nuns. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think uh, that explains quite a lot, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Yeah. So it certainly explains the English-Irish thing. So I always thought of myself as Irish. Uh, but then I think I left Ireland. No, I know I left Ireland then. Uh, I wasn't staying at school. I wanted out pretty quick, uh, much against my mom's wishes. I, I left Ireland, I think it was a day after my 17th birthday. I got right. on an aeroplane and I went back to Birmingham. Uh, to work for uh, my uncles, both my uncles, who were my dad's brothers, who'd, who'd taken over the company that my dad had started. So I went to uh, 
to claim my crown. <laughs> and, and, and what was the business? Yeah. Construction. We were contractors. Concrete, okay. groundwork, right. shuttering. That's absolutely your gig out and has been in Dubai pretty much. No, 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 okay. not at all. So, like that, that. so that laid so the groundwork for it, literally. Yeah. Literally laid yeah. the groundwork. Yeah. And yeah. so that, if you're 17, so that would have been about 87, 87, 88. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, I think okay. Yeah, ladies. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, very much. You know, my dad was, uh, you know, being the only son. Yeah. My dad was a workaholic. He, you know, just contracting, you know, yeah. work mad. Uh, so the only time to really spend time with my dad was at work. <laughs> it wasn't the sort that was going to take you down the park. Um, yeah. So my weekends, cycling out to wherever dad was to work with him after school, uh, it gave me a really good grounding in, in construction. I was kind of, you know, I felt it was my destiny. And, yeah you know, always taught me how to, you know, turn up every day for work, get up early, yep. you know, be the first man out on site, be the last man in, that kind of old school Irish mm -hmm. mentality. Uh, yeah, loved it. Um, yeah, he was a great role model. And, and how did that then transfer as we move towards Dubai and make it more relevant to this place? Mm. Um, what's the what's the Dubai catch? Where, where did that all start? How did that happen? Right, okay. Uh, um, <laughs> a woman, as most Things. Oh, okay. Here we go. Right or left right. Turn. Okay. Uh, but let me take you back. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so when I moved to Birmingham, I spent nine years in Birmingham. But around twenty-one years old, I I met my wife uh, Amanda, lovely Welsh girl. Uh, I met her in London at an Irish festival. I was down a three-day, you know, piss up, and uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, bumped into her there. You know, fell in love with her, uh, and she was working in Luton. Uh, big up to Luton. I know you've had somebody from Luton on the podcast. I think you've had somebody. Even if we have. Oh, no, he I worked at DHL and he lived oh, in Luton. Oh, Becky. Yeah, Becky. Yeah, that's right, that's right. You're the only other guy I know from Luton. <laughs> yeah. oh, big yeah, big yeah, shout out to Luton. Luton. Big yeah. shout out to Luton. Yeah. Um, it is a shithole. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> But, uh, good but airport. Good airport. Yeah. And a brewery. So so I spent, you know, we were doing the motorway romance, right, Birmingham right, Luton, right. and that, that sort of ran its course for a few years. And she said, you know, well, you know, why don't you move to Luton? You know, well, yeah. you know give this a real go. And I was like, no. Uh, and she's, so I said, why don't you move to Birmingham? She's like, no. So we said, right. Well, that went well. Yeah, yeah, you know, well, you, you know, what, what are we going to do? So we said, let's just take a year, right? Let's yeah. travel, either you know, backpack travel, yeah. or you know, you, you know, she was a she had a lot more education than I had or qualifications. Uh, I said, why don't you apply for some jobs abroad and, and let's see where that takes us? And then she got offered a job. They flew her out to Dubai for an interview. She got offered a job. Got offered a job in Dubai. I'm like, that's great. So, the next question was, so when know, do where's Dubai? Do Birmingham, but can do Dubai. I didn't know where it was. I couldn't have picked it out on a map, honestly. Okay. And uh, then I found out it was the Middle East. I was like, oh, panic. You know, uh, can you get a beer? Oh, you can get a beer. I was like, okay, let's let's try Dubai. It's halfway to Australia. Yeah. You know, we can. If it doesn't work out, we'll keep going. So, uh, so yeah. So, so she came out uh, first in. 1996, so that's 25 years this year, in the March. Um, I joined her in the October uh, to tidy up some loose ends in the UK. Uh, she was working for a, a company called Inchcape Marketing Services. They owned Inchcape Shipping. Yep. They yep. owned Spinneys and MMI and yep. quite a conglomerate back then. So she had a pretty good job. Uh, I uh, 
uh, so it covered our rent, you know, covered our bills. So I thought, oh, I'll take a bit of time out here. I had a month yep. taking it easy. And then I thought, oh, I could deal all the construction going on here. I'll just, you know, get a job easily, right? Uh, and this uh, is, and this is? 96. 96, okay. That's right. so yep. Yeah, well, we moved here. Yep. Initially, we, we moved, I remember pulling up, um, like most expats there, you were mm. in Bur Dubai, mm. behind the Burj Man Center. Yeah. So we're, you know, Golden Sands area. Uh, Golden we, Sands comes up quite a lot on this podcast. Yeah, that was the new Dubai. Mm. You know, it's like, this is the new Dubai. Mm. We're, they were still building the roads yeah. outside the apartment yeah, that, we yeah. were moving, that we moved into. And they were like, yeah, yeah, see that across the water there, the Deera? That, that's that's old Dubai. And this, this is, this is new Dubai. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is this is an awesome place. You've got yeah. two cities, like yeah. an old one and a new one. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really cool. And then uh, you, uh, you you obviously had the, the the trade center, was you could see it in the distance, and not much between yeah. us and that. And the Virgin Man was like the biggest shopping mall I'd ever yeah. seen in my life. And ridges in the middle. And ridges in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. And uh, and then uh, you know, so we had a great. Yeah, we're, we used to hang around with our friends. Mm. I remember, I remember going for a trip once to uh, with some friends. So we're going to go to uh, the Jebel Ali Hotel. I was like, "Oh, great!" And so we all jumped in the car, and, and the Sheikh Zayed Road was well, it had speed bumps. You know, it was two yeah. two lanes. Yeah. It took us about two hours, or it felt like two hours to get yeah. there. You, you were literally driving through the desert, and we, we got to this oasis that was the. The, the the Jebel Ali Hotel. I was like, oh, you know, so is this Saudi? And they're like, yeah. no, this is still Dubai. It's just, well, like, wow, is this, this Abu Dhabi? Still Dubai? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, so yeah, really really interesting times back there. But you oh, were yeah. young, you, you just I didn't know. care. You know, it's I know. A lot of fun. and there was a lot of pockets and Emirates Golf Course, Hard Rock Cafe. That's right. Yeah, yeah that was, that was pretty much was an outpost. There wasn't was it. There was yeah. It. So that's all very well about. Um, you know, the, the outpost of Dubai. So mm. when did you start to get a bit serious about Dubai with your work, Billy? Okay, uh, yeah, well, the, the holiday had to come to an end. Uh, I think about a month in, I was like, right, okay, I, I got to start turning up. But I realized uh, very quickly that the type of work that I was doing in, in Birmingham, you know, shoveling concrete and carrying sugars, hard graft, mm. uh, you know, the, 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 the pay for that type of work was uh, you know, is equivalent to a day's pay per month. So, uh, and it would have looked weird. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd have been the only white guy on site uh, shoveling concrete. So, so I was like, okay, so how, how's this going to work out? You know, what, yeah. what, what am I going to do? This is what I know. I don't have an education yeah. as such. Uh, I left school very young. So, so, um, I went to the job agencies, Amanda, like, oh, you, you know, you should try sales or, you know, you'd be really good at sales. Uh, so I was like, okay. Uh, so uh, I, I signed up. There was a handful of agencies back then. It was back in the day where there was no internet or you, know, you had the Golf News and supplement. And you had it. it wasn't even a, a, a job page supplement. It was within the Golf News. And there was Nadia's and BAC and the Talent. And there was about four agencies. <laughs> yeah. And each of them had a one page kind of yeah. Yeah, advert. So I, so I signed up and, I, I, and uh, they says, well, look, you know, you have no sales experience. You know, we, we do some lovely sales courses here and we do some lovely computer courses. Uh, you know, why don't you sign up for a few of those? So I did. Um, and about three or four weeks later, I was like, okay, done your courses, need a job. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm going to need that money back. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so uh, sure enough, uh, a week later, uh, they're like, we got a job and it's in Sharjah. 
uh, and uh, you know it's with a it's a, a, a crane te- they te- low test camera yep. cranes and stuff and they do fire detection systems and sprinkler systems. Okay, great. Yep. You know, it's a job. I was yeah, just exactly. So delighted. I think the pay was like four and a half, five thousand euros a month, uh, but it was better than shoveling concrete for six hundred. Mm. So, mm. so, um, so I, I took it, and uh, so I started going up and down the murder mile in the opposite direction because everybody was living in Sharjah back then. Yeah, the rents were cheap. I'm working in Dubai, and that 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 traffic jam coming to Dubai. I was the guy going the other way, going, "Hey, morning." Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's no, no traffic, traffic here at all. So, uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was good. Uh, the job was a bit of a dead end job, to be honest. The 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 guy who managed the company, British guy, Bill Wigan, I made it quite clear from day one: this is this is your job today. Uh, this will be your job tomorrow. And should you be here five years from now, this will still be your job. So I was like, "Oh, fantastic!" The prospects are amazing. <laughs> you know, growth everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. But at the time, it yeah, know, exactly. didn't really matter. Uh, and then uh, about six months later, uh, Amanda got a call at work uh, from a lady from one of the other job agencies, a lady called Mags Farnham, who worked for BAC. Mags and I hit it off. This is back in the days when you could go into a job agency. You didn't apply in a pigeonhole online. You actually went in and you met the people who were you know, yeah, going yeah. to get you a job and they assessed who you were right. and your personality. And myself and Maggie's got on really well. And uh, she, obviously, I didn't have, nobody had mobile phones or email addresses then. Mm. So the, the contact information for me was Amanda's work and office number. Mm. So she co- contacted Amanda and said, like, is Billy, you know, is Billy still looking for a job? And she says, no, he's got a job. She goes, that's not what I asked. You know, is he still looking for a job? And she said, ah, right. Okay, maybe you need to ask him. Yeah. So I had a chat with Mags and she goes, look, I've got a great job for you. You know, this, this job, I know your personality. This would be great for you. I know the guy who owns the business. It's a small business, but you would be fantastic in this job. I was like, oh, so where was that six months ago? And yeah. <laughs> she says, no, there was somebody doing this job, but they were the wrong person right. or the right person. Right. So I was like, okay. Uh, so I went and met this guy, Malcolm, great guy from Yorkshire. And he had uh, this company called Megami, and uh, you know, small, you know, dozen people or so in this business. But what they did was amazing. It was like hanging around, you know, rope access business. They're climbing on buildings and oil rigs and antennas, solving problems. Yeah, so much more exciting than was what it. I was was there much crossover to what you'd done in the past? Nothing. I, I, Nothing. I you know, I, I was groundwork construction. Sure, but sure. I, I think when you're young, you, I didn't. I don't think I. I don't have an appetite for heights, mm. but I, don't, I had a, I didn't have a fear of them either. Mm. So it didn't really bother me. It bothers me now for sure. Mm. <laughs> so, um, but I just loved the idea yeah. of what this business was. So I explained I had a job and I was tied into a contract for the next six months with Bill. It, yeah, with Bill Wigan. Yeah, yeah. and and he said uh, no problem. He says let's start at the end of the year and I'll wait for you. So I said to Mags, yeah, great guy. I'm going to take this job. I really like this guy. He's from Yorkshire. Up north, and he's like, hey, up lad, you know, up the dales. Uh, and I said, I really like that guy. She yeah. goes, That's good that you said that because he's my husband. Oh, so I was like, Wow, oh my god, that could have gone quite wrong. That could have gone really bad, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. so, and again, you talk about luck and opportunity yeah, in yeah. life, and yeah, yeah, exactly. Talked about it earlier. Sometimes you just get lucky, yeah, exactly. right place, right time. So I resigned from my company, and then I started with him the day after Christmas Day, Boxing Day. I started work with Malcolm, and it was fantastic. I, I oh my God, I loved you know. On a Monday, you would be 
suspended under the from the uh, under the heli deck of the Burj Al Arab, or, or you know, you you would be then chopping out to a rig on a Wednesday, and it it was full on. It was yeah. hard work, and especially with a small business, I was in overalls all the time. I was the driver. I was picking the guys up and dropping them off. I was making the sales calls. I was the operations guy. I made coffee for the boss. You know. And it was and it was it's it's niche. It's a niche business. In the in the why isn't why isn't people doing that within their own organizations? Is it niche of what they're doing of these heights, that kind of thing? Yeah, right. So 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 the business didn't start like that. Right. So the business was a painting company, marine okay. painting. Malcolm, right. we used to paint all the British Navy ships sure. that came into the region. Yeah. We had enablement contracts. Not something we advertised back mm. then or that you would mm. advertise. But we had contracts to do painting ships, and when a ship came in, we painted it. Mm-hmm. But you, you couldn't plan that because mm. the, the, the British Navy don't exactly give you a heads up on where their movements are going to be or when the ships are going to be alongside. So Malcolm had a nephew who was traveling around India who did this. Mm. You know, he was an abseiler, and he spent you know a summer here or a winter in Dubai mm. with his uncle Malcolm, and he said, "Hey, Uncle Malk, you know this is all a go in the UK. This is what." need to be getting on to now there's rope access we're one-stop shop instead of scaffolding and and blasters and painters we just climb up there and we get the job done half the time 20 percent 10 percent of the time we're on the job in hours and you're dealing with one contractor not three four five six sure so the one-stop shop basically so it made sense so it was was in its infancy i guess in europe it was Mm. starting out Mm. It was potholers, basically, mm-hmm. who, who loved climbing, who then mm. started to make a bit of money on the side, and then it became a whole industry. And I think we were the, the first movers here in the Middle East mm-hmm. uh, by default, you know. Um, yeah. And what a fantastic place with, you know, so much tall buildings. To, to particularly at that time. Yeah. yeah. Perfect yeah. timing. Yeah. It was great timing, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, a kid in the toy shop. And it got to the point where, so, so we... Are the big project, the big challenge in access because conventional access, normal buildings, your average tower, square mm. tower, they have what you call BMU systems, building maintenance units that yeah. go out and the cradle and they're up and down, yeah, cradles up yeah. and down, yeah. and that's not where we get involved. We sure. get involved in unconventional access. So the Virgil Arab was under construction. WS yeah. Atkins were the consultants on it, and it was the most unique project going yeah. in the world. At in the, the world, time, yeah, I think. Uh, and we were heavily involved. Of the access challenge that the challenges that it, they had both inside and outside that project and very high profile of course hugely that would have been yeah very good for you i guess extremely good yeah. for us yeah yeah really really good uh so we we cut our teeth a lot on that because some of those access challenges are we were the first ones to go out and under the skyview restaurant yeah right <laughs> which yeah, is suspended yeah. uh and even you know we were we were consulted a lot even though we're not we weren't an engineering business we were yeah. consulted a lot by the architects of various buildings that subsequently were designed okay. and built in Dubai that they said we're going to build this you know this area here and we need to be able to access yeah, it sure. you, whether it's you or, or a company like you need to be able to access it this is just yeah. for, for maintenance cleaning just to get into yeah. locations yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it didn't even need to be high you know things like the grid, grid shell on the Formula 1 track in Abu Dhabi mm. you know Metro stations, you know, there, right. there, there's no conventional access for those. You have to abseil to, to access them. So, so it wasn't about high access; it was about unconventional access. Right. You're going in, under, around. Mm. So our systems are used to going inside oil tankers and 
mm. decks and jackets of oil rigs. Wow. So we, you know, we traverse. We don't just go up and down. Up and down is very easy. Mm. So, and then not just get into those positions, but have mm. a rescue plan to get out of those sure. locations should a guy get into difficulty. And health and safety, of course, is paramount. Huge, huge. You were governed by a governing body called the ROTA, which is the Industrial Rope Access Trade Association, which is global now. So, so yeah, we very much led the, the charge in this region. And, uh, you know, we were the, the access specialist, the, the problem solvers. Uh, Hit yeah. the ground running. Big time. Perfect yeah. timing. Yeah. One it, project after another, after uh, another, after yeah, you another. You want to be careful with the words hit the ground, don't yeah. you? And, uh, <laughs> I think, you know, maybe. Well, not, not hit the ground, but... Um, yeah, running. I didn't really think yeah. of that. Failure, yeah, yeah. failure is yeah. not an option. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, they're part of errata. That's never going to happen. That's it. Exactly. Well, I remember to the point where a lot of our clients, because, uh, you know, I loved it because they would, they would call us. We were the number one. Yep. We've got a problem. It yeah, wasn't sure. just we've got an accident. We've got a problem. Yeah, yeah right. I remember getting a call from uh, a good uh, guy from Dubai Petroleum, a good client of ours. And he called me up one day. And I was in the car. And he's like, yeah, Billy, uh, he says, um, I'm locked out of my house. And I was like, okay, uh, how can I help? <laughs> He's like, well, I don't know yet, but you're the guy that I always call when I have a problem. And yeah. I've got a problem. And I was like, where'd you live? <laughs> and he told me where he lived. And I got a couple of guys around there, climbed over the wall, got in, let him into. He's like, I, "See, see, I told you, you're the guy. <laughs> you're the problem-solving guy." Perfect. And I kind of, you know, I love that. Got love to be that. known as that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a really good company to work for. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And 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 I mean, this has been this was 22 years. Yeah. So so Malcolm, I worked for Malcolm yeah. for 10 years. Yeah. And the, and the business grew uh, organically. Mm. Now Malcolm had been in the Middle East. For mm. 25 years at that point so yeah. he was he had one work shoe on and one mm. trading shoe on and yeah. he he, he kind of had a bit of a mistrust about the middle east yeah. uh you know he was just ready to pull the plug and yeah. so which mean, meant every we were earning good money you know it was a profitable business there was little competition our yeah. rates were good but it was the chicken that was laying the golden eggs that was feeding all Malcolm's other business interests, which okay, were right. fish farms in the UK, Got houses it. in Spain, property reversions. He was into everything, largely outside of the UAE. Um, so he choked the business a lot. There was okay, times right. where, I mean, you know, you, you have the wage protection system mm. and stuff in place. Now you can't run a business like that now, but we were up to four months behind the salary at times. Oh, right, okay. Our suppliers were up to a year behind, even though we were profitable. Mm. It's just the way he ran. He was like, sure, you know, sure. ready to go. You know? yeah. Yeah. So, you know, worked for Malcolm, uh, like I say, 10 years, worked my way up to the front of the business. He was spending a lot of time away from the UAE side pretty much around the business for him. Treated it like it was my own. Felt mm. that I'd have a, a shot at the business at some point. Um, uh, and then, obviously, in the meantime, Amanda and I have had a couple of kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, George and James, and then uh, um, so Amanda's had to step back from the corporate role. She was working for Price Water House Coopers at that point and traveling a lot, so she had to rein it back in. Uh, so the corporate buffer of you know, yeah, 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 yeah. medical and housing and all that started whittling, and I was pushing Malcolm harder for uh, for more salary to cover the ever growing cost of living in Dubai and, and, and kids and try to be the lead uh, breadwinner. Uh, and by now, you know, I'm now heading to I'm in my mid thirties, 
So uh, it got to the point where Mel was like, I can't afford you anymore. Right. And I said, okay, you know, so we had a bit of a parting of the ways. Okay. Where, uh, you know, he fired me, you know, he just went, right, that's it. I can't, he didn't fire me like that, but he was like, that's it. You're at the end of the road. I cannot pay you any more salary. I go, well, I, you know, I, my, my lifestyle says, uh, you yeah. know, my life says I can't live on what you pay me. And he wasn't paying me a lot. I think I, it wasn't a lot. Right. Okay. <laughs> wasn't enough. Yeah. And, and um, uh, so, um, so, so Amanda and I had, had taken on a mortgage at the time mm. we got on the property ladder a mm. few years earlier. And uh, we had a mortgage. Uh, we had two kids in school or it was a nursery. Um, and the mortgage was crazy back then. Again, just going off yeah. piste here. But, mm. the, you know, you, property boom started mm. in 2003 I think yeah. you know we sold I had a house in the UK Amanda had a place and, and we sold those and we put our down payment we got our mortgage out and we could only get we could only buy a property of EMAR we yeah. bought in the meadows yeah off plan crazy uh, you know it's going to be built in two years uh, the maximum mortgage you can get is a million dirhams yeah you've got to pay that back in 10 years yeah and the interest rate is 12 and a half percent and we own the mortgage company. <laughs> so so there was a lot of financial pressure. That was it, Amlec? Amlec. And you had to open a, a bank account in Dubai Bank yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, I remember those and days. you had to engage Emerald as your yeah. payment supplier. It yeah. was a complete monopoly. Yeah. So Funny days, though. It was, you know... <laughs> Bags of cash floating around and all that kind of stuff. And nobody asked questions no. because the market was going <laughs> nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So what we did, yeah. obviously we were in that house, yeah. and the, the, the value of that even before we moved into it, it had mm. gone up significantly yeah. and then mm. it had more than doubled. Mm. So we decided to, you know, just we couldn't leave ourselves short. You know, mm. So we decided to sell the house mm. we were living in, mm. put some money in the bank. Yeah. Amanda had set up a small business herself back then mm. called Self-Catering Dubai, a short-term rental business, mm. which is on the back of the freehold market. That was just starting. Just yeah. starting. And she was doing really well. She had three or four people working for us. But again, mm. you know, we weren't drawing an income from it. It mm. was just... So um, I said, well, let's get that. Let's cash in some chips here. Take the money off. We'll, we'll go and rent for a while. Mm. Uh, let's put a focus on building self-catering Dubai over the next two or three years. Mm. And I'll transfer across to that. Yeah. And I'm going to give some of my energy towards that business now as a, as a life raft for us. Uh, so I, I, I balanced it out. So, so Megami, the business of Megami, stopped doing the the. the the elevation it was going at because right. my energy yeah sure i was just working normal days not yeah. you know 16 hours days which is yeah. what i was doing for malcolm and i'll i'll work for what you're paying me for you know basically um and uh, it wasn't long before malcolm was going oh what's you know what's going on <laughs> so this is it's what you get for a day's pay I'm, yeah you know so he i remember i'll never forget the day he came kind of came into my I, oh, of course i've been dropping hints yeah. to him as well. I, I was a bit manipulative right. in my sort of approach here because mm. I, I was dropping hints and saying, yeah, the house I bought, you know, I said, bloody, you know, I got this money in the bank. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. He's like, he said, why don't you buy the business? Why don't you buy this business? And I was like, this business? What a, what a I thought this of it. Business? thought of it. Oh, God, I couldn't afford it. Yeah. And plus, you know, you, yeah. you know, there's all the debt of the, the salary exactly. you haven't paid and yeah. the continuous expenses are... He said, well, look, 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 think about it. Make me an offer. So I, I, I uh, Malcolm had a business partner, a silent partner, who owned half the business as well. So Malcolm wanted to earn his, his, his shares to me and for me to stay on with the, his business partner. 
I wasn't interested in at all. I was like, even though I couldn't afford mm. to buy out both of them. So I said, here's the deal. Let me buy your shares out. Here's yeah. what I can give you. I'll, I'll keep you on the payroll for three years. So you'll have an income. Saves money cash flow. Um, if you can convince your partner to sell out, I'll bring in an, in an investor yep. who I've been having secret squirrel conversations with my dad on the phone who had finally come to the end of his construction right. contracting business or property development life. And mom was rushing him off to Spain to live in a, mm. a golf course somewhere. And he's like, Billy, Billy, <laughs> you got to help me here. I will be dead in a year <laughs> if I if your mom has her way. <laughs> so I said, look, I might have an opportunity for you to invest in, in the business I'm working for. So he was all over it. He was Perfect. straight out. So, so we did the deal, closed the deal. It was back in the day where you didn't need to. So that's so we're still two thousand six, right? Yeah, yep. So ten years after yep. I arrived, literally yep. we closed that deal ten years to the day after, after arrived. I arrived, sixteenth yeah. of October. Um, and then and then yeah, we, we off we went. I didn't think about it too much. And then when I thought about it after, I was like, right, all the security that I've ever built from. The day I left school yeah. at 17 till now is now yeah. gone into a business. <laughs> Which is great. It, no, it yeah. is, but it's also like... Scary. It's what? daunting, right? It's daunting. I have yeah. no security. You know, but like, you had done the hard yards yeah. and pretty well run the show. Yeah. You were stepping into the shoes that were waiting for you to step into, right? I think... It was Admittedly, new. it's of course that's daunting, but, you know, you, you, I mean, if there, there would have been no better person to have done that, anyway. For sure. I think you're right. The conversion of time, 10 years of my life mm. working for Malcolm then meant something. Yeah, right. It was the biggest investment I always say. It's never money, it's time. Mm. And when you've invested 10 years of your life into a business and you get to then sure. step into the cockpit. Uh, but it was a few months later that it really, boom, hit me. And I was brushing my teeth one night and I just staring at the mirror. And I was like, you okay? I was like, oh, what have we done? <laughs> what have we done? Oh, my God. What have we done? This is a disaster. She's like, it's fine. Yeah, Just yeah. keep doing what you're doing. So that was, as I say, uh, October 2006. So on we went. Yeah. And uh, dad was great because having run his own businesses. So he, did he come out here? Yeah, that yeah. was the other thing. I thought he was yeah. going to be one of these guys that comes over every three months. He's like, where's my office? And I was like, Perfect. your office? I said, there's no, there's no job here, dad. You're an investor, as am I. But I'm also an employee. I yeah. I have a job here. You don't. And he's like, but I'm an owner. Says, yeah, that's a different thing, Dad. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I'm still coming out. Yeah, I still want an office. Yeah, right. And I will prove to you that I'll have a worth here. I says, okay, good luck with that. Perfect. So uh, so sure enough, he came out. At, he was over sixty years old at that point, and he was amazing. You know, yeah. um, and it was really good for me actually to bounce off. Think about it when the global financial meltdown hit in a couple of years later. Mm. Like, oh my God, what does this mean? This is like a recession. Dad was, Jesus, son. Yeah, I've done done half a dozen of these. Keep going. Which is <laughs> which is great. It was great. You needed that. So it gave you the confidence and supported yeah. you in the right way. So dad, yeah, dad very much focused focused on the admin and finance. Mm. So you just you just he says, you just keep going. Yeah, yeah. Business development, keep driving the ops and the biz. He says, if I'm, mm. if you see me with a worried look on my face, then you can get worried. If you don't, just keep going. So, so I said, okay. Let's so, go. but even during the crisis, these things that you've mentioned earlier would have needed to happen. 
or was it or was was this kind of uh, technical stuff that needed in the buildings was it was it put aside or how did the crisis affect the right business? yeah so so again yeah so dubai dubai so so I, th- I think at the time dubai was still kind of a little bit in denial because you had the atlantis was opening in 2008 that's right it was a bit too big fanfare yeah big fireworks and kind yeah, of but there was a small event beforehand that you guys were involved in wasn't it yeah the, 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 yeah. the atlantis caught fire yeah and we were drafted in to yeah. you know get that <laughs> repainted. Yeah. that was that was one of those Get here, don't even put in a price for it, just get here now, today. The building was still smoldering and we were on the site and mobilizing and, and the and the fire had got right under it blackened blackened all of the atrium yeah. area, which is the most difficult to access. And of course, during the construction of that project, they had no access systems put in place. Right. Because they said this is the design of this Atlantis is exactly, exactly the, the same. same as in, in, in the Bahamas. Bahamas. Yeah. Where it rains a lot and it clean it's self cleaning, yeah. Ah. And this was like, and we were saying, well, you're still going to have as dusty as a dusty environment. Yeah, sure. What, you know, if you need to access electrical sockets, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they had no access system in place to take care of it. Mm. So we had to literally cut holes in under the atrium and, and put a series of uh, suspended lines in, and we had like a, a gantry with a rotating mm. hydraulic uh, yeah. or hydroblasting unit that went over and back like a typewriter to take all the the soot and blackness off there. We had, we had guys all over that. I remember they, they, they'd, um, we were nearly finished the painting and, and we were like, you'd need to have an exclusion zone mm. below the, where we're painting because the, the paint, you've got to contain the paint, right? Because yeah. paint drips and gets caught by the wind. And, you know, so they're like, no, no, just, just, just get it done. Get it done. And I remember being uh, stood down by the pool one day watching our guys and this American guy <laughs> turns up next to me with Speedos on and he goes, hey, man. And I looked at him and he's got pink paint drops all over <laughs> it, all over it. And I'm like, oh, hey, man. I was thinking, oh, he goes, are those your guys? I says, yes, they are. And he goes, God damn it, that's amazing. <laughs> he just walked up and it was paint all over his back. And I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Once again, that could have gone very differently. It could have gone differently. Yeah, God, he looked like Mr. Blobby. You know? <laughs> so that was, I mean, just thinking of um, the other projects you've got, obviously the big one is, is Burj Khalifa, which is which is here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, was, that, was a, that was a big part that you were involved in, wasn't it? For sure, for yeah. sure. You know, um, well, you know, let, let me go back to the Atlantis in 2008. Sorry, so, sorry. so that, that the Atlantis kind of kept the Dubai onshore yeah. uh, work going, but we had opened in Abu Dhabi, um, and Abu Dhabi started stepping in, because if you remember, 2009, they were awarded the Formula One. Correct. And also yeah. the Dubai Metro was opening in 2009, yeah. so we were doing a lot of work on the stations, uh, okay. you know, on, on the, the, the maintenance and the, uh, a bit of work on the construction of the, on the, on the, Armadillo stations. Yeah. Um, but between that and Abu Dhabi, it really kind of saved 2008 and nine in terms of work opportunities onshore. And then 2010, uh, we were doing work in and out of Qatar. And like you said, that you, we, were, yeah. we were bootstrapped. We, we weren't leveraged, but we, we were pumping all. Dad and I just paid ourselves a very, very modest sure. salary. Very, very modest. Sure. And, and everything else went back into the company. So we were... But we were growing really fast. You yeah. know? Um, so we opened an office in Qatar in 2010, which subsequently 
you know, went on to be our most profitable business. Right. Exclusively oil and gas. Right. Didn't even touch the built environment. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, um, going back to Dubai, um, obviously, um, the Burj Khalifa being the tallest building yeah. in the world. Uh, we didn't so much do so much on the maintenance or cleaning on it, but we did the installation of the uh, light shows and we do the installation of the fireworks every year that go off it. Um, we also built the platform on there that they did the base jump off. Right. We even brought uh, His Highness the Crown Prince on top of there. Yeah. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. We've had some great, great. So he, he, that was, that was a hundred percent. He was that was him there. That was him. Yeah, da- Daniel Gill. You know Dan. Yeah. Dan, yeah. Dan, Dan well, Dan yeah. escorted yeah. him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Da- yeah really. So, because obviously, also this week, it's it's been a big thing with the with the Emirates advertisement. Yes, which is yeah. what's happened. And and, Manning, and yeah. I think everybody was going, "This is fake." And obviously, which what Shane's done is it's it was shown that it was oh. true. Now, one thing I noticed is it talks about uh, is it one hundred and sixty meters you've still got to actually climb up a ladder i think it is it's 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 like 25 30 story building in ladder climb you know in inside that spire the spire is 2.2 meters at the bottom mm. 1.1 at the top so you, you're literally coming out of a manhole but it's got three stand-up light posts there okay and then to stand up for for instance where the emirates girl was standing you, yeah. you have a platform a square plate which has a a flap yeah, and then they're attached when they're inside the yeah. the spire, and then you belay what you call belay them out, so they they can't fall. And right. when they're stood there, they look like they're just stood there, but there's a. I large, noticed that on the thing, yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 extremely safe. But I mean, how much wind? How gusty does it get up there? Yeah, it can get gusty. You know, yeah. they've got dampers in the building, so you don't right. feel it the movement as much. But sure. Yeah, it's I mean it's a scary place. The the scary one when you have to build a platform because mm. don't forget at that one point one meters at the top mm. we had to build a platform for, for the base jumpers yeah. that jumped off there uh, the, the engineering of it it had to be they had to jump from 3.3 3.5 meters away because if they jump from the spire that the vortex is going to take them back into the yeah. suck them into the building so yeah. so we had to work with wsp the, the the largest engineering firm in the world um who had to design a platform and they were talking about lifting it in with helicopters and then again the vortexes was a yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. they engaged us and we had to assemble this platform so you get oh, okay. up to 828 meters exit a, a 1.1 meter opening and then go three and a half meters that way with nothing above you or to pull back on so it's, it would have been quite Taking quite a lot of time because every time, yeah. yeah. Well, we had to do uh, mock ups as, yeah. as they did with this one, you yeah. Do, yeah, sure, you, sure. You work sure. it in a warehouse and make sure, sure it all works. So, here's a I'm going to say it's a personal question, mm. but here's a um, and the question's going to come flooding in now. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Talking about working at height, mm. some people are born okay with heights, some mm. people hate it. Yes, can you grow into getting used to it? What I mean, from your personal yeah. experience and from seeing other people that have worked for you, yeah. How does it fit? Are you is it is it binary? You can people just go no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, or I'm fine with it. Or people just get used to it. That's my question. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Good question, uh, Rex. The I think I think as you get older, you you lose the edge, you know, because you're you got more to lose. You you know, you got a sense of mortality uh, when you're young. You know, certainly in my case, I I had less fear, but I wasn't on a rope every. I, I, mm. I was up there. I wasn't a rope access guy. Mm. Um, I was the guy that was kind of driving the business and hiring the, the, the guys who did the really, really 
crazy stuff. So you're seeing Gilly up there. Gilly's right. Gilly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but again, it's like it's like so so people used to say to us, "Oh my God, that's so dangerous." And yeah. you're like, "Well, actually, okay, the alternative to this is a scaffold." Yeah. Uh, do you know how many people fall off scaffold every year? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Do you know why they fall off? Because they're not attached. Yeah, right. Or they're on a a snap on snap off. Yeah, yeah. We have a we have two ropes. Yeah. Each each of these ropes will take a ton and a half each. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so so the system itself is is extremely safe, yeah. but you do have to have a head for heights. And we've had people who've been working for us for a few years who then just on a particular project just lost their bottle, and, okay. and they, once they lose it, just you can't put them back. I mean, you right. see, when you, I mean, historically, when you look at all of the old buildings in the in the twenties in, in New York City, yeah, you see those pictures of the guys sitting off the the iron grid having mm, their yeah. lunch and things. And I, I read an article that hist- you know, historically, a lot of the Navajo Indians yeah. have an inbuilt lack of fear of heights, and they right. used to be employed right through into the seventies in Chicago and eighties. Mm. Yeah. They have they're they're positively yeah. uh, an asset to have them because they just would walk around um, quite easily. So yeah, that's I th- interesting. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know you're. Your religious connotation can have something to do with it as well. You know, mm. if you believe I hit the ground and I come back as a butterfly, that's mm. that's a great <laughs> great mm. mindset. But but I think I think you got to get a it's a young person's game anyway. It's yeah, physically sure. demanding. Sure. You know, being suspended and pulling yourself around on ropes is a mm. in in this environment is really really tough. Yeah. So it's not something you want to be doing as you get older. But but yeah, a lot of the people are. We, we used to recruit, so we mm. we never recruited. Abseilers, and yeah. then gave them a trade. We recruited tradesmen based mm. on our requirements, whether it was inspectors, uh, blasters, painters. You know, we we, you know, I remember doing. Um, we were doing the, the two towers as you drive onto the palm. They were they were supposed to be two rotunda towers built there originally back in the day when Dubai was booming. Two yeah. like it was called gates or something, and uh, to the to the left where the the multi story car park abutted the. Um, were but the one and only Royal Mirage, they're like, oh well, we have to have these hanging gardens, like right. down, and you know, so you don't have a big horrible concrete uh, car park. Yeah. Um, do you, you know, we're helping them with the access for that. And they're like, but you, do, do you guys have any gardeners that can abseil? Yeah. And I says, okay, when's this project going to be finished? Yeah. And he goes, eighteen to twenty-four months. I was like. I'll have you a gardener by then. The answer is yes. <laughs> On a rope. No the answer is yes. It's What's easy. the question? You know, we yeah, can yeah. train them up in yeah. five days. Right. Yeah. So as long as they've got the, the head five. Yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, I mean that pretty well covers the the, the business side of things with mm. um, the great story of working from height. Yeah. Not so much on your face, but the, the, the business, um, which is fascinating. Now, now on the personal side of things, mm. um, which I really know and hear a lot more about is well, obviously all the work that you've done on the, on the, on the chai side of things, you know, doing marathons and um, doing Ironman and all that kind of stuff. What was the wherewithal about? Where did that come from, mm. really? Um, and where did it all start? Yeah. Um, okay, so so I guess when in the years of, of working for Megami, um, you know, a lot of my work was after work, you know, out with clients, you know, business development. Mm-hmm. Historically, you, you, you're you're not having the most healthy lifestyle, you know. So I wasn't in great shape, you know. In by the time I was hitting my forties, I was, uh, yeah, I was really good at business development, but you know, and it came to a head. I, I went to a 
a um, a biathlon on the beach, Jamira Beach, that my two sons were going to, and they were going to swim. And then they, they called all the parents up, right? Okay, let's have a parent race. And it was you know silly little race out to the boys and and, mm. and back, and then a run up the beach. beach. And I remember running into the water at full pelt, you know, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. kids are going, "Come, Dad, you think you can swim, right? Yeah, you think I, I can swim." And then you you run like that with the adrenaline pumping, and then you swim out towards the boys, and and I was just dying, and yeah. I was choking, and I I turned around to swim back, and there was uh, there was these three old ladies that were my mother's age, breaststroking out behind me, you know, yeah. and they're going. You're right, son. And I was like, No, no, I'm not all right. I, I'm going to drown. I'm going to drown. And they're like, Calm down. You're going to be fine. Stay with us. So I end up doing this breaststroke with these three old deers, and 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 finally get round this swim course and do the run. And I finish absolutely last in this race. And my sons are like, Dad, you were you were great. And I was like, No, that wasn't great. That was everything except great. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot be this out of shape, you know. Right. And that was a light bulb moment massive light bulb mm. moment i thought what if the kids got into trouble you know i literally you know sure. so um so yeah I, I started and i was we had a good group of guys then robbie marinelli who's a fan of the show uh gilly uh derek uh yeah uh, quinny uh marty a few of us were kind mm. of looking for that because you're all around the same time weren't you around the same age yeah getting into it yeah yeah, yeah. Joel Preston was he around there? Joel, no, yeah. Joel, Joel came later. slightly later. Yeah, yeah right. Joel very much in the pack mm. with us for sure. He's definitely there's a whole group of you. Yeah, yeah. And from I can't say start to finish because it's always an ongoing thing for you. You're always always at it, Billy. <laughs> but where, where, where did where did it where did it take you? Where did it end up in terms of doing a full blown try? Yeah. So 2015, we we signed up for a, a full Ironman. Bear in mind, we had never done a half one at this point. I remember somebody speaking to us, and they're going like, "Is this your? How many halves have you done?" And we're like, "We haven't done a half." And they're yeah, like, right. "Are you an idiot?" <laughs> so, go so, for yeah, it. Oh God, we had no clue. Yeah. You know, and this is before the David Labouchere days, where mm. we had coaches and we knew we could train properly for these. We just ran until we got tired. We swam until yeah. we got tired. And we cycled until somebody fell off. And um, oh, so that was it. Yeah. A bunch of guys going, "Yeah, we can do it." Just, no, no plan. Just no plan. Weekend wow. warriors, massive, you know, idiots, you know. Um, and then, you know, you get the bug. Yeah. You do that and the adrenaline you get. I think, so for me, mm. the, crossing that first line in Austria in 2015, that, that mental, because mm. it's not a physical thing in Ironman. It's a mental game. You're, mm. you're, you're, it's your mental strength to, you know, to, to go for 10, 12, 14, whatever hours it takes you to do this, mm. where you've got to tolerate and throw pain and and still keep out of your head what's still ahead there's a full marathon and you're you're only starting the bike you know all this you know the, the the control of your emotions and your and the belief in yourself you know yeah. so so for me it's been a it's been it is still a big part of my life mm. and i do it i do it because it keeps me fit obviously yeah, sure. um i do it because i like a challenge mm. uh I do it because it's such a freaking awesome community and great bunch of people it's it's so much fun yeah it's you know you, it's not like going to a gym where you go oh, i gotta go to the gym and i gotta yeah. get through my i really love those rides with david Lebrouchere mm. in the morning he is just you know he's just a such a motivator and glenn my coach um yeah just i, I have so much fun out there and so you've got the social benefit you're yeah. up at the crack of dawn it gets you out of bed in the morning 
the mental strength of believing that I can I can achieve. Yeah, right. You know what? You know where I was. So you know, do you I'm think forty to where I am now at fifty? Yeah, that's brilliant. You know, okay. you can start that late in life. You can be that shit, and you can change it all. So I before today, I had a little touch on the on the WhatsApp on the boot camp group. Just ask a couple of questions. Oh, about, you, about yourself. <laughs> and there's one word that comes up all the time is energy. Yeah. How you've got a constant energy. Now, it's obvious and, and it's, this is um, – do you think with, with, with your triathlon and Ironman stuff it's in, increased or have you always been – you've always had that inner sort of no, room-changing energy type scenario? No, I'd say I've always had that. I've yeah. always been a high-tempo yeah. guy. You know, I even in the – I used to, you know, when I was in the, the height of the Megami days, I'd you know, be in the eyes to drink a lot of coffee and keep me going, you know. And I, I'd be like, "What's that noise? Tap, tap, tap!" Oh, it's my leg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, so that energy level was always there, yeah. probably just not pushed in the right directions. Always. Right. And then when I started, I started working with Nick Todd, you know, mm. to focus that energy mm. in a in a good way. Nick. Yeah. Nick was, you know, he transformed the way I, you know, I think I was three, four years into Megami when I mm. met Nick. And then Mick, for those who um, don't know him, he's, uh, he's he's a he's a life coach and a friend of the show. Uh, yeah, friend of the show, and but yeah. um, a, a, a big support to so many people. In the yeah, exactly. I was talking to him today, actually. Oh yeah, Mick. Yeah. Mick. Mm. Uh, Mick was Back huge for me. Uh, mm. Yeah, in you know getting me through the Megami, getting mm. me through my you know to where I am today. He's still yeah. a massive part of my life. Sure, and sure, He's sure. a massive part of the community. Exactly. Lots of the people. Great yeah. people I've met in my mm. life have been through Nick. So, yeah, he's been like a, you know, guiding light all the way. V- very lucky to have, you know, that's the mm. other thing. Gr- gratitude is, is a big thing for Nick. And yeah, yeah. I think just being grateful for how lucky we are. Well, uh, that's enough about Mick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, back yeah, on yeah, okay. So, <laughs> I mean, we talk, about, we talk about body, we talk about health, we talk about mind. It, it, it's obvious that it's all there. Um, what's next? What's next for Billy Harkin? Okay, so 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 having exited Megami, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I you know achieved what I thought I mm. you know was that it. Yeah. You know, when you say on. you exited, you sold it. I sold it. Yeah. yeah. So 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 when we acquired the business, we, you know, we acquired it to grow it and sell it. There was no, let's keep this forever. It wasn't. Mm. You know, it was. We were umbilical, uh, or sorry, uh, yeah. surrogate, surrogate yeah. owners. Yeah. yeah, we weren't emotional. We didn't. Yeah. We didn't create the business. Mm. So it was like. I know the potential of this business. Great. It's not Leishman's potential. Let's go hard. Let's take it. To yeah, the yeah, end. right. Let's sell it. You know. So it was a five-year plan that we had that turned out to be seven years. Mm. But you throw in a recession, and that's what happens. Mm. Um, uh, but really, really, you know. So the exit process, as you know, we started that in um, uh, twenty. We sold it at the end of twenty thirteen. So the start of twenty fourteen. My exit. Um, my exit then ran for another two and a half years, so I exited mm. fully on the in terms of shares of the business, the remaining thirty percent in twenty sixteen, mm. middle of twenty sixteen. Mm. And our owners, great great company, Austrian company, family business originally, but a listed business. Uh, they wanted us to stay on in the business. They really they were really great to work with, so we ended up staying on another two years to the middle of eighteen, and then uh, stepped back. I thought, well, I'll take a year off now. Yeah, uh, eighteen middle of eighteen to middle. Which went like a heartbeat, 
And so I thought, I'll roll this on for another year. I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. Um, well, rapidly catching up, which gets us to where Hammer yeah. was saying, so where's, where's Billy now? Yeah, so, so I did the second year, and then COVID kicked in. Okay. And in a lot of ways, I, I, we did this retreat with Mick every year in November, um, and we set the goals for the year. And my number yeah. one goal at this, at, in November 2019 was in Q1 2020, I will be the majority because I, I, when I exited the business, I'd made, you know, yep. I, I, I'd secured my family and you know, myself for the future. But and I invested in some small businesses, but not with any kind of controlling stake in mm -hmm. it. Which is, you know, uh, you and I know this. Rex is a frustrating part of that is you have no control and you mm. can't influence so much. So, um, I needed to get back into the game again. Yep. I was missing, sure. but I didn't want the everything on red, yep. like I did with Nagami. I, I didn't mm. need that, I didn't have to do that, and I certainly didn't want the stress of that. So so I thought, I need a you know, a nice, small business that I'll enjoy and has got good people. And so I started, uh, I will be 70% owner of that business in Q1. And then of course, COVID kicks in. Uh, so, and I was in discussions with two or three businesses at the time, so I was like, yeah. oh, this is interesting. Yeah. So I decided to stay, take a step back. I remember having, I was right, I had agreed a valuation on one business in the end of February in 2020. And COVID was kind of, it was in the background then, wasn't it? I went off to Bali, it was my birthday. And by the time I got back from Bali, this business, which was in the um, uh, events, it was an events business, long established, but small events business. Their pipeline had just gone zip. Right, so I said, look, it's unfair for me to drive your valuation down there because you can't you have no business you know uh let's step away from it and in so, the meantime yeah. then you know i think i was you know i was happy to be out of business because i could see all the car crashes that were going on around the place and the uncertainty yeah, and yeah the reality yeah. of you're not really in control are no. you? in the, in this life you know you're 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 at the hands of dynamics were changing yeah that's it and when you think about your life it's all mm. circumstances how i ended up here mm. meeting them mm. In Finsbury Park, at a yeah, yeah, exactly, to exactly. how did I end up in Dubai? To meeting Mags, to Malcolm, sliding to doors, sliding doors. That's yeah. what life is. So yeah. I thought, right, this is a science. Take a step back, and then I, um, Ben Corrigan, was a yeah. friend of the show, great guy, mm. known Ben ten years, and uh, he had a apart from his his great business, award winning business at Blue House, he, mm. he he had another small business called Urban Surveys, right, which yeah. I always admired yeah. for the last couple of years. He and yeah. I used to have discussions around it great business and uh, he had a guy running it called Nick Sykes brilliant guy uh, but Nick uh, had been in the Middle East for a while he just had a, his first baby right. and then Covid hit and you know he just pulled it in and he said I can't do I gotta go back to the UK mm. so Ben Ben was putting the business up for sale and I, I said well, well why are you putting it up for sale he said well you know um, Nick's, Nick's leaving mm. this is okay why are you putting the business up for sale? And he goes, well, I've got my hands full here yeah. at Blue House. And uh, I says, okay, let me, uh, let me take a look at it. Um, and I took a look at the business. It was a really good business. Had a, it was having a tough year, of course. Which one? What is it? So, so what Urban Surveys does, and, it's, and again, like Rope Access was to me at the start, I, I'm a novice. I had to go in and try to learn, and I'm still learning. So I'm not going to get too technical about this, but it's... Uh, it, it's laser scanning or LIDAR scanning, light scanning. Yeah. So 
I know one of the big frustrations we used to have in the Garmy when we used to do a lot of inspections, visual inspections on oil rigs and platforms. And I, what was lacking a lot was was accurate information, blueprints, details, and sure. any any blueprints you had were never that accurate. And yeah. In most cases, we, you couldn't even get them. Yeah. What this uh, system does is uh, you go in and you laser scan, so it creates a digital three-dimensional model that you can walk through, fly through, right. and its accuracy is amazing. Oh, wow. So, you know, and we're in the digital world now, right? Yeah. So, so no, this this is it's mm. not brand new technology. It's been around about ten years, but yeah. the construction industry is ripe for disruption. In fact, I was reading an article recently where. Um, we got uh, fintech and all the other techs. Now we got contech, right? right the new right. disruption. Yeah. And as Ben would say, construction is a hairy ass industry. We're still, you know, yeah, getting yeah. the old measuring tape uh, out. You know, yeah. Yeah, give yeah. it the old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it, it's not going to be a fast switcher like you know finance yeah. or IT. This is going to take time. Mm. And where else has got yeah, more assets perfect. than this? Exactly. Um, and with my contacts in Qatar and you know mm. access, but I, I think I could really scale this business. Mm. So I'm, I'm I've kind of come in taking a look at, at what is a small business. It's it's probably it's probably a quarter of the size of Megami when I bought Megami. Probably right. less. Okay. Probably about twenty percent. So it's it's not a high risk. Yeah. For me to get in, I've get, I've kept Ben on as a shareholder. I've yep. kept James as Mm. Great guy, mm. partner, and I've brought my cousin Derek, friend of the show, Derek yeah. Riley. Yeah, yeah. Who's a champion, Derek and yeah. I. You know, we were you know we're first cousins. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we've always been looking for an opportunity to do something together apart from drink uh, and race. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm glad you put that in very quickly because <laughs> I was going to step in. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> yeah, Derek and Derek works in claims, and a big part of what Derek does yeah. is basically people who acquire assets. And then they buy these big assets, which are the biggest in the world. And yeah. Acquire, and then they go, actually, this isn't what it says it is. Because you're, right. you're, you're given a set of blueprints and you just assume they're correct. Yeah. So you go in and you scan uh, them and you're right. like, this is not correct. Exactly. You know? so, exactly. So I see this as being creating digital twins and yep. moving to a digital world. Blueprints are going to be like fat machines, you, sure. know, you know, in the next five to ten years. Sure, sure, sure. And like I say, I, I'm... My brain doesn't process all the yeah. software hardware, and when I'm talking to the technical guys, I just zone out. Like like the technical guys in the Garmy that will teach you all the knots, and I'm like, I've already tuned out this conversation. Exactly. But it's fine. It's good you're there. I just need to. <laughs> I just need to know: can we cookie cut this? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, right. and Replicate it in several other markets, and that's all I need to know. I'll stay Fantastic. In the so that's going to keep that's you busy great. for a while. Yeah. I'm genuinely excited about Brilliant. it. Yeah. Great people. Yeah. Uh, uh, great market. Yeah. And let's not forget you know covid and all of that and i've learned from my father yeah. with the global fa- nothing like a good crisis right clears the field uh and let's not forget when i sold megami yeah when i first made my first exit oil was 125 dollars a barrel mm-hmm. at that first exit point mm-hmm. it was 28 dollars a barrel when i made my second exit it's back up at 70 now and yeah, we've right. had housing crises exactly. and mini bubbles and but technically, as far as I'm concerned, it's been a six-year recession, seven mm. years probably. So mm. we're due another good upswing. Brilliant. We've got an expo. We've got a World Cup. Yeah. We've got great leadership. Mm. Vice 50 this year. I'm 50 this year. Bring it on. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> Some gone. Well, I, I think it covers very much to our next point, and what we always ask everybody is, well, obviously the great news is you're going to be around for a while. Yes. Vice, so that's, I'm happy about that. And number two... Why do you like this place so much? 
What's what's the main reasons that you like the bar? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, um, I think like you know every expat here, you go through that wobble at some point where mm. your wife's going, "That's it, we need to leave." You know, we need to get out of here. And that happened to us of, you know, five years ago. Mm. Um, and our plan was to move to France, as you know, we bought a place there and mm. had some wonderful times there. But you know. It's it's full of French people, <laughs> right? So we've got a few there. French audience. But yeah, no, it's okay. I, 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 it's I love okay. it. I love it. We got one. I love. I, two. I know of one. I love yeah, their one, food. Yeah, I love their food. Yeah. I love their wine. But you know, for me, land it, of opportunity. This, you know, we we did mm. a matrix one time myself and Amanda. We said, okay, right, mm. great. Let's move somewhere else. We're anywhere mm. and pick a place on the map. Yeah. And what we did was we wrote a list of places we thought we'd love to mm. go, and and then we wrote the criteria. That we were looking to achieve, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, city life, close to a beach, mm-hmm. tax friendly, mm-hmm. uh, great business opportunities, English speaking, mm-hmm. <laughs> no bureaucracy, good weather, yada, yada, yada. And then we scored them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's quite weighted towards um, yeah, I'm trying uh, to think here, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Did, well, did, yeah. We based yeah. it on But did anybody yeah. else come on the list on that? I'm trying to think. Who else would be on that list? Oh, so, so we tried, you know, we, we looked at actually South Africa. Singapore yeah. was on there. Yeah. Um, you know, similar city-state in yeah. between. Cayman Islands was right. actually, and we went, so what we did is every year we'd go on a family holiday and instead yeah. of going to stay in a hotel, we'd rent a villa yeah. and we'd go and meet some locals yeah, and, yeah. you know, live like a local, you know, so we'd get a feel of what it would be like to live in a place like that. So, but the Cayman Islands was fascinating. We yeah. spent about three or four weeks there. Mm. Tiny islands, three islands, but tiny islands, uh, but it ticked every box that Dubai does, mm. except it's it's much smaller. It doesn't really and you're island fever. May come it happened. On. I met everybody yeah. five times. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. But opportunities are massive. Yeah. Tax breaks are mm. huge. You would make a fortune. If you're mm. a laid back kind of person, that's the place you want to go. Mm. But if you need yeah. to plug into something, and I do, um, you need a place like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's why we're here. No, yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, that is And that's great. No, that's perfect. Yeah. Well, Billy, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's great I mean, talking it's to such, you guys. It's, I mean, it's. Thank you for I knew this would get me all energized, and it certainly yeah. has. So uh, we want to hear more what's happening on Urban Surveys going forward. But thank you very much. Stay tuned. Thank you, guys. It's Thanks. been a, a pleasure. Thanks, Billy. Take care. Well, I hope you enjoyed that with Billy. I certainly did. Rex. Yep, yeah, uh, it was all right. Billy, <laughs> I thought it was great. You, you are, amazing. are amazing. You are amazing. No, no. no you're amazing. Hey. No, I'm <laughs> anyway, if you want more of this, like, like our channel, subscribe. And what's the other third thing? Comment. Comment. Thumbs up. Thanks, guys.